Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, you know what it is, episode 50. That's right, 5-0 for the love of the game. Let's cook. Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. To all my peoples in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed with bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The ha, the ha, you never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kick Capri. Funk Master Flex, Love Bug Star Ski. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Episode 50, that's right, 5050 episodes that I've done so far. Absolute craziness. Uh, the subscriber numbers are up and rising. It's really wild. So thank you to all the listeners and all the subscribers. Uh, and here's to at least uh, 50 more. Really, it, it's it's honestly a little bit humbling. Uh, knowing where the show is kind of going and, um, and and 50 episodes in, just, just can't believe it. So there is a lot to discuss today. Uh, NBA free agency was absolutely wild, and we will get into all of that, all things free agency and NBA ra- related, as you would expect from me uh, after what transpired in uh, just a few moments. Uh, but first, a couple of non-NBA stuff that needs to be uh, gotten out of the way. So... Uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star break is here tonight in Cleveland. Uh, last night's Home Run Derby was absolutely thrilling, and the new format of the Home Run Derby uh, is really excellent, in my personal opinion. The second-round battle between Dodgers' Jock Peterson and Blue Jays' Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was awesome. Ultimately, Peter Alonzo of the New York Mets took home the title, even if his uh, batting practice pitcher couldn't really pitch all that well, which is so Mets. Um, But yeah, uh, All-Star Weekend, uh, and just so you know, my next show will be a baseball-related show only. Um, To all my loyal fans who are baseball fans, I promise the baseball show is coming. Uh, One quick thing on baseball. The uh, New York Yankees are sitting pretty right now on top of the AL East. And uh, for all the hoopla about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, the best free agent pickup this year has been DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees on a great contract. It is a pleasure watching him play baseball uh, day in and day out. And it's shocking that this guy may easily win the MVP in the American League. Just unbelievable. He's my my favorite guy to watch right now on this Yankee team, uh, which is an incredibly likable team as opposed to last year's team, which was incredibly non-likable. Uh, congrats to the U.S. women's soccer team for winning the World Cup. Back-to-back World Cup champions. They dominated the field. A very impressive showing that was to be expected. Really big shout-out to Coco Goff, the 15-year-old American 
for making it to the fourth round at Wimbledon. An unbelievable run before losing to the seventh seed, Simona Halep. I mean, absolutely no shame in that. What poise this young lady has for a 15-year-old. In her third round match, she came back from being down a set and then being down three love in the second set. She came back to win. What an unbelievable win for her. Tennis, especially American women's tennis, needs some new stars, and I hope she takes the mantle and stays grounded and has a great career because, honestly, I'm sick and tired of Serena Williams and all her bullshit. So kudos to you, Coco. Hopefully many more great runs in the majors for you in the future. As for the men's side of Wimbledon, well, we're getting to the quarterfinals. All the big boys, uh, such as Federer, Novak, Nadal are still alive. It's going to be some really, really great tennis down the stretch as it usually is. So now that we've covered all that, it's time to talk NBA and everything that's happened since the draft, which uh, there has been a lot. But before we get into all the good stuff or the not-so-good stuff if you're a Knicks fan, because, of course, it's not good. More on this later on in the show. But one thing that... uh, Maybe a little off-brand with this show regarding the NBA, but it absolutely needs to be addressed because it was – it's a little infuriating. So recently, the word owner, as in the owners of the franchise, has been deemed problematic because apparently it has slavery connotations and some players were bothered by the term. So Adam Silver, who I think does a great job as commissioner of the NBA, uh, decided to call the owners – governors. So the owners of the teams are now supposed to be called governors of the team, the teams. And I respond with this, like what kind of nonsensical bullshit is that? The term owner is problematic. Is owning a business or a house or land problematic? NBA franchises are businesses. No one really thinks the owners own the players. Player empowerment has never been stronger as we've seen with free agency, but this overly PC bullshit needs to stop. Stephen A. Smith, who, if you didn't know, is a prominent African-American man in sports media, had this to say about it. It's my house! I own it! I don't own you, but I own it! The idiocy! In this politically correct world that we're living in, where we got to literally have a discussion to the point where it becomes a media a media storyline. Oh, my God. An owner says he owns his team. That's offensive to people. Y'all, y'all smoking crack. Something is wrong with you people. What the hell has this world come to? And- Preach, Stephen A. Preach. He's 100% right. Enough is enough. The players think they're CEOs. Uh, They are not CEOs. They are exceedingly important employees, employees that should be treated well and fairly, VP types, if you will. But if there was no league in place and there were no teams owned by other people, they would have nobody signing their checks. Adam Silver, I know you're listening, and I know this isn't high up on your to-do list at the moment with uh, things involved with the league, but don't go down this path of ultra-PC, liberal, bullshit garbage. It's not a good brand for anybody these days. Don't fall victim to this. All right, so now that the that's off my chest, now to the transactions of the league that will shape the uh, landscape of the NBA for 
the next uh, season and the next couple seasons. And oh my God, what a 10-day stretch for the NBA. And we're going to get into all the topics, including the cr- how crazy the first day of free agency was, how Kawhi's decision impacted five franchises, at least, how Oklahoma City star Russell Westbrook is likely to be traded now, which would make it five of the all-NBA players from this past season that will probably be on new teams in the next coming year. I mean, holy moly, what craziness. A few quick notes that we have learned from free agency. One. The Supermax contract that was supposed to keep guys staying put really doesn't work because guys are making so much money now and the numbers are so astronomical that, you know, the incentive is not just there and and players would rather the flexibility. Two, Jerry West continues to be the greatest executive slash mover and shaker in NBA history. Three, Competent teams who do smart things, who aren't loud about what they're doing and keep things close to the vest, ultimately always come out on top. Four, bottoming out isn't all it's cracked up to be. See what happened with the Clippers and Nets. They didn't bottom out, and they did pretty well this offseason. Five, there's always a way to make cap room if needed. So to clear cap space has never been easier. And six, the top 10 to 15 players in this league are the most important people in this league, and they run the league, and that's just the way it is. Now, all that leads me here, and we will talk with my guests tonight about the winners and losers from free agency, all the winners and losers, but I want to discuss, of course, the biggest loser from the free agency period, none other than my New York Knicks, because they deserve a rant to themselves. So here we go. So let's set the scene a little bit. It's June 30th, a beautiful Sunday afternoon, about 4.30 p.m., about an hour and a half before the official time of free agency starts. And I needed to clear my mind a little bit. I was a little on edge, obviously, because this is a very important offseason for the Knicks. So I go for a run, not only because I need to get my workout in, but also because I needed to get my mind not to be glued on Twitter for a little bit. I just needed a break, a little mental break. As I'm on my three-mile run, no big deal, uh, you know, not a humble brag here, I start getting texts, uh, DMs, uh, Instagram messages saying, I'm sorry, are you okay? What the hell just happened? Holy shit. And so I finish up my run, and for the next two hours, I'm glued to my phone, and I learn about what happened with the Knicks. They lost out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, the bastard stepchild of New York basketball, those Brooklyn Nets that have absolutely zero fans. Uh, And I'm sorry, anybody who says you're a Nets fan, just shut the hell up. Odds are you're some hipster loser who doesn't know anything about the sport, but I digress. I learned the Knicks jumped into action to sign the likes of Julius Randle, Wayne Ellington, Taj fucking Gibson, Bobby Portis and such. And in the few hours and days, then I learned the Knicks reportedly weren't willing to really offer Kevin Durant, who's coming off an Achilles injury, the full max contract. And they canceled their schedule meeting with Kawhi Leonard, who happens to hold the belt right now for the best player in the league because he was, quote, taking too long and they didn't want to miss out on all their other prime free agency targets. 
What a damn shit show this was and an unmitigated disaster. So let's recap the last year for the New York Knicks, right? And it all traces back to, it really traces back more than a year. It starts with the Phil Jackson era and how he handled not only Kristaps Porzingis, but Carmelo Anthony. So it was reported before one of the drafts that Kristaps Porzingis was on the trade market. He obviously didn't like that very much being aired out. Um, And uh, Kristaps was also constantly asked about Carmelo Anthony and his status with the team, given the fact that there was a ton of back and forth between him and Phil in the media. So the icy relationship between Kristaps Porzingis and the New York Knicks sort of permeated the the organization and the building. Um, keep in mind, uh, after Carmelo was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder, Kristaps Porzingis takes off. He becomes the all-NBA caliber talent we expect. The Knicks are around 500 or in the playoffs. He's putting up you know, 22.7 rebounds as one of the top rim protectors in the game while being able to shoot over 35% from three. He looks like one of the 15 best players in the league. And then he tears his ACL. Right, This is right after he comes off the heels of being named to his first all-star team, and he tears his ACL, right? So as he's you know, rehabbing or whatever, uh, the following year, you know, he starts the year on the uh, injured list, The relationship between him and the Knicks starts to sour. Now, Porzingis is responsible for that, partially. His brother is responsible for that. But any competent franchise, when they have an asset like that on a rookie deal, at that age, you do your best to repair the relationship with that player. Because, as we've seen, The hardest thing in the NBA to do is get all-NBA caliber talent. It is exceedingly hard with everybody being able to create cap space when needed. You know, teams are smarter than ever. The hardest thing to do is to attract all-NBA caliber talent. And the Knicks had that. And then they traded him along with Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., and they get back Dennis Smith Jr. and a couple of first-round picks from Dallas Mavericks, creating tons of cap space for the offseason. And I said on this show that you don't trade an asset like that for cap room, for the idea that you're going to get two max slots. So now you've already gone all-in on this pipe dream, and you're going big game hunting. That is what you're doing. It's all geared up towards this offseason. The most important offseason in the franchise's history, arguably. And what happens? James Dolan then goes on the Michael K show while during the regular season, while all 30 teams are still playing regular season games, he runs his mouth with Michael K and says, quote, We've spoken with agents, I should say, and I paraphrase, we've spoken with agents, we have an understanding that top-level talent wants to play here. On ESPN Radio, it goes out and say that during the middle of the season, not great, right, but because... Us as Nick fans, we're dying for something to be excited about. We fall into this trap, right? 
that, that everything's going to go okay. And I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. So the way the landscape of the league is looking, Kevin Durant is going to move on from the Golden State Warriors, uh, yada, yada, yada. We're all lined up. We're gonna, he's tied to New York. Rich Kleinman, his business partner, and, ba- and you know, right-hand man is a Knicks fan. This is great. We're going to get Kevin Durant and another guy. And then a little hiccup comes. Oh, we don't get the number one pick. We don't get the chance to choose Zion Williamson. But have no fear. You know, Kevin Durant plus another Max guy is coming. This is what we've cleared the space for. We're going big game hunting, right? Big game hunting. That's the goal. The hiccup comes. Kevin Durant tears his ACL. I mean, not tears his ACL, tears his Achilles, I apologize. Tears his Achilles. And it really throws things for a loop. The Knicks are kind of in scramble mode now because KD was their number one target. They This was not a secret. And the fan base is willing to redshirt the year and sign KD. And... The reports are that he wanted to play with Kyrie Irving, um, and that partnership was going to be strong. And they didn't. Knicks didn't necessarily love the idea of Kyrie Irving by himself because of all the mishigas that comes with Kyrie Irving, as we've seen with his past year with the Celtics. And I agree with that assessment. I didn't necessarily love Kyrie Irving, and the fact that another max free agent didn't necessarily want to sign up with a rebuilding team with Kevin Durant sitting out a year. I understand all that. The Knicks got a little unlucky. So then it comes about 5.15 p.m. on that June 30th. The Woj bomb comes out that Kevin Durant is likely going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving is going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. That's what ends up happening. So the Knicks miss out on their two top guys. And uh, they rush into action to sign the likes of Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Wayne Ellington, a couple of names I named a little bit earlier. To the Knicks' credit, they kept those years, uh, I should say those contracts, at two-year deals, um, so they have flexibility going forward. But this is, make no mistake, this is a disaster. This is an absolute disaster for the franchise, because you can't tell me that you're going big game hunting and come up absolutely empty. The goal of the front office is to sell top-level talent, even if they're coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah, an Achilles injury is really bad, but you know what? If Kevin Durant is 80% of what he is pre-injury when he comes back in a year, guess what? That's basically Dirk Nowitzki giving his size and his ability to shoot. Dirk Nowitzki, pretty fucking good. So we miss out on our top target, who was basically, and again, you get conflicting reports here and there. I'm not not sure what to believe, but most people believe that the Knicks were the front runner for Kevin Durant for basically the entire year. And then, at the end of the day, they can't close the deal. Now, some people would say that it was prudent of them not to offer the max contract for a guy who's going to be 32 when he gets back, coming off an Achilles injury. And I understand that. 
But where the state of the franchise is, where you've already traded Kristaps Porzingis, you know, all NBA caliber talent, the Knicks have failed in free agency time and time again. And that's what you lined up for. So you better freaking deliver at that point. You better deliver. And if you don't deliver, that is an absolute failure, especially when the bastard stepchild is able to deliver. And why were they able to deliver? Because their front office went about it smart, doing smart moves, and they kept their mouths shut, and they didn't run their mouths in anticipating of what was going to happen. They didn't predict what was going to happen openly in the media. They were stealth about it. They kept things close to the vest. That's what a good run organization does. So then, the Knicks go into, they shoot their proverbial wad on on the guys I just mentioned. And they said that, quote, we weren't really, I should say, back to the Kevin Durant-Max contract issue, they put out a public statement saying we weren't prepared to do so and that we apologized to our fans. That just sounds like sour grapes, and I'm not sure who to believe, but don't come out and say that. It just looks petty and stupid, because every team that was pitching Kevin Durant was willing to offer him the max slot. Like, what are we doing here? Seriously, how can how can top flight guys take us seriously if this is the way we act? And then... They're going to sell us on this pipe dream of max cap space for the 2021 free agency class, which is supposed to be a great class headlined by Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, and other really nice players. And it's the same song and dance with the Knicks. We're going to have two max slots, a clear cap, and we're going to pitch guys and be in the running for these dudes. We're going to have guys on rookie contracts. And again, maybe they'll be a little bit more seasoned. Mitchell Robinson is really promising. We'll see what happens with Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett. And maybe it is that we'll be in a better situation. But it's going to be the same song and dance that we're being pitched. It's like a hamster running on its damn wheel. Over and over again. The same damn cycle. And it's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And the the fish rots from the head down. It's James Dolan. It doesn't matter what Scott Perry does. You know, he's he's done some nice things, like they didn't trade for Chris Paul and that albatross. They said that they were out on Russell Westbrook. As much as I love Russell Westbrook, he doesn't make sense for this team where they are right now. But it, if James Dolan is still James Dolan, none of this is going to ever change. So now let's look at who they signed and who they rushed to sign instead of holding their meeting with Kawhi Leonard. And by the way, canceling on guys like that just looks bad. I mean, it makes the agents look stupid. You know, you don't want to piss off the agents of top flight guys that could come by to bite you in the ass. We'll see if that is the case. But even if it's a long shot to sign Kawhi Leonard... If you have a meeting scheduled and you saw the way it was progressing, as long as it dragged out, more teams had a chance. Even if it's a 5% chance, 
You take the chance because you have lined up all this room to sign guys like that. Kawhi Leonard is big game. You wanted to go big game hunting, so at least play your damn cards. Why are you rushing to fill your cap with the likes of Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, these guys? These guys didn't have tremendous markets. You could have offered them a contract today. The same contract that they got offered the first day of free agency. You could have offered them that today and they would have signed after Leonard made his decision to go somewhere else. Those guys weren't going anywhere. Who was paying Julius Randle the money he got? Nobody. You were bidding against yourself. Now, some people like Julius Randle. He's 24 years old, put up 20 and 9. Uh, I personally think he's he's crap. Um, he may be young, but he's like the epitome of empty calorie stats to me. I, I just don't love his game. But even if you do, you still... And if you were so dead set on he was like your secondary prize, which I don't understand, but whatever. Even if you believe that. Don't sign anybody else. Keep your powder dry for the sheer chance that you have to pitch Kawhi Leonard. And if it doesn't go well, fine. And if he chooses to go somewhere else, fine. Then you sign all these peripheral dudes to the two-year contracts that they were going to take whenever they were offered. And even if and if you miss out on Wayne Ellington, so be it. Who the hell cares at that point? It, it's just unbelievably ridiculous that this team. I mean, they're too stupid to function. Honestly, they're too stupid to function. But now we still have this pipe dream of 2021, and it's all gonna go to hell then too, probably, unless. There are significant changes to this organization. And I don't know what that is besides for Dolan selling the team. And I was talking about this over the weekend. That's not going to happen unless you put together a, a group of investors who's willing to pony up $12 billion. Because with $12 billion, you'll be able to buy the whole kit and caboodle from Dolan. Assuming he's willing to sell. You'd be able to get the Knicks because the Knicks alone are $5 billion. And the extra is for MSG, for the rights to own the building, and for the Rangers. Because odds are you're going to have to buy the whole thing to get rid of this idiot. This jerk. So yeah, so that, that's the state of the Knicks right now. So but, but before we get into uh, tonight's in-depth look at free agency. Uh, just a couple of moves that I, I thought were interesting now that I've done ranting on the Knicks and how abysmal they are and how being a Knicks fan is basically a terrible, terrible experience uh, and something that I care way too much about. It affects my emotional state way too much. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but this isn't the life I chose. This life chose me, and... It's something I'm going to have to live with because that's just the cross I bear. So anyway, a couple of moves before we get into tonight's discussion where we de go in-depth uh, around the league a little bit that I really liked or that I thought were interesting. The Celtics, after Kyrie decides to bounce, they rebounded with Kemba Walker, who is about 85%, 90% is good with less of a headache. It's a really good fit for the Celtics, but ultimately... 
their their dream of Anthony Davis, Kyrie, and this team kind of fell flat. But I think the Celtics rebounded somewhat nicely, even if they would be considered a loser in this whole thing, um, given what they were trying to stockpile to do. Uh, I really liked what the Utah Jazz did, bringing in Mike Connolly, brought in Bogdan Bogdanovich, just scorers, guys who are steady. The, the Philadelphia 76ers were interesting in terms of bringing in Al Horford after they lost Jimmy Butler. Now, Horford is a, is a great team guy, but uh, I still have doubts about the Sixers. Now, there are conflicting reports if you know the Sixers were going to offer Jimmy Butler the max uh, five-year deal. Uh, he is a tough guy to deal with sometimes, but if you saw down the stretch in those playoff games and this Philadelphia team almost beat the Raptors who ended up going on to win the title. Like they were very close. Like you could justify running it back uh, for Philly, but if Jimmy Butler didn't want to come, this is a good pivot, but I don't know who's going to be taking the last shot down the stretch and playoff games for them. I don't know if they're, if they're going to have a guy, if Ben Simmons doesn't drastically improve. So uh, they'll be interesting. Obviously the big trade was, uh, after Kawhi Leonard decided he was going to sign with the Clippers, the Clippers then traded for Paul George, five first-round picks, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and um, Danilo Gallinari for Paul George. I mean, Oklahoma City sold for about 150 cents on the dollar. They kind of had to do it, and now it seems like the Russell Westbrook era because the teardown is coming. He's going to be traded before next season starts. Uh, good on the Clippers. I mean, right now they're the betting favorites going into uh, this NBA season at the moment. Uh, this affects not only the Clippers and the Thunder, but it affected the Lakers. It affected the Raptors. It affected, you know, potentially the Miami Heat, the Detroit Pistons, two teams who are rumored to be in on the Russell Westbrook uh, trades. Just a lot going on, but uh, it just shows you right now that Going into this NBA season, there's going to be a tremendous amount of parity. You can make a case for so many teams to win the title. Uh, more teams in the West than the East, but the two top teams in the East would be considered what two of the five you know favorites going in, and I consider them the Bucks and the Sixers. And it's just wild times that we live in where top flight players are choosing the Clippers and Nets over the Knicks and the Lakers, and the fact that the Clippers are the betting favorite to win the title going into the NBA season is banana land. And uh, with that, uh, we'll bring on my uh, my guest, a really good recurring guest. I'm sure you can probably figure out who it is in the next couple of moments. Okay, so for episode number 50, considering his Lakers were very much involved in this offseason. Huge NBA fan. I think you can figure it out. We're going kind of like the trilogy here. My buddy Rob is back. Rob, your thoughts on free agency? Thoughts on free agency? Um, I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome in the sense that it, I mean, I know that there was, there was one day where it kind of reminded me a little bit of the NFL free agency or how NFL free agency has gone the past, I don't know, you know, decade or so where there's like a, a hard date where everybody can make moves, but then there's all this like hidden tampering that goes down where everybody's sort of announcing 
a day or so before that day. Like, once the deadline hits, it's like everybody knows where everybody's going at that point. So, and I think it was smart of companies like ESPN where they have, you know, like if you go, if you turn on the TV, they've got almost what seemed like 24-hour coverage of NBA free agency a day or two before it even started. It's very hard as a fan, you know, during that, that weekend, not last, you know, the weekend before this last weekend, to not be glued to every single thing that's going on. And it's cool where it doesn't, it doesn't stretch out, you know, for like we all thought, you know, like the quiet thing stretched out, but it really only stretched, what, another four or five days past the free agency uh, start date. So it's fun. It's cool. It, it keeps the NBA momentum going. And what's even – I'll add one other thing, which is cool. Um, while the quiet thing was going down – or a little bit before the quiet thing went down, you've got Zion making his NBA debut in Summer League, and LeBron and everybody else, every you know, what seemed like a ton of other big NBA guys, are sitting in Vegas watching Zion debut. So it's like, it's literally from all angles. You go from the, the finals to the draft to an awesome free agency to the rookies a couple of weeks after the draft is over already debuting in Vegas and everybody's there. It's like the NBA really um, is becoming a 12-month, 24-7 league, and it's, as a fan, it's cool. It's it's really awesome. I mean, there's really no off-season for the NBA right now. It, it's basically a 12-month sport, probably like an 11th-month sport because in September it's basically done. But who yeah. knows with the trades, you know, you never know. Uh, so uh, before we get into the weeds on the actual moves, so uh, June 30th, that Sunday, which was the start of free agency, right? What was the experience yeah. like for you? I know I was glued to my phone a bunch because the Knicks were apparently going to be in the mix. You know, how much time did you spend on Twitter? Can you imagine, or I should say remember, another free agency like this one particularly where – 40% of the league was basically free agents, and a lot of the major markets had big cap space to spend. Like, I can't remember another free agency, anything close to this. Yeah, it's usually like, the NBA is usually there's one or two big-name guys in years past where everybody's sort of monitoring. Like, I remember, like, Dwight Howard, you know, when he, when he moved from the Lakers to the Rockets. Like, he was the big name that one year. And then there's all these other, like, mid-level, you know, like, BB-plus cusp-type players. But Dwight was, like, the big name. And everybody now, like, if, if, if the Dwight move came during, like, this year's free agency, it would be not like a footnote, but it would just be like, oh, okay, cool, like, Dwight went to the Rockets, you know? It, because there's just so much going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, no, I don't, I don't really remember an NBA free agency quite like this. Um, there have been other ones, like, in, in the 90s, from what I've read and from what I somewhat, like, remember when you had a couple guys, like, I think Sean Kemp and Scottie Pippen were free agents in one summer. Well, they were rumored um, to be <laughs> traded for one another. They were rumored to be traded, right. So there's been, like, these, these other ones that um, were somewhat big when you look back, but I think the volume amount of big names uh, in one free agency class, I don't think we've seen anything like this. Yeah, for I mean, me... Yeah, it's just different because, yeah, there was like that one summer where Reggie Miller was rumored to be a Nick. Um, it was just, but, you know, with Twitter now, with the news cycle the way it is, it's like you can't even compare it. Yeah, you can't compare it. Like, I, I, thought, I thought back a little bit, like, when Kobe was a free agent and he was threatening, well, not threatening, but, you know, there was rumors he was going to go to Chicago or he was going to go to the Clippers. Like, that wasn't even 
I, I mean, outside of L.A., not many many people followed, you know, that type of update. And I think that what was interesting this year, you know, now if, like, a guy like Kobe Bryant's status were to, you know, potentially go to another team, it would be, you know, minute-by-minute minute updates. But now, like you said, we have Twitter. We have, you know, 24-7 social media coverage. I think what was different this year, a little bit different this year than years past, was, and I feel like I'm safe to say this because I'm pretty plugged in, like, you know, most years as I was this year, is there was a lot of, um, like, white noise going around. Like, you really weren't sure this year what to believe. And more than any other year, it seemed like everybody was a reporter. Like, why is Chris Carter you know, updating NBA free agency news on ESPN's platform? Why is Jalen Rose saying that he's 99% sure that Kawhi is staying in Toronto? Um, so there's... Because they moved the needle. Because opinions like that with today's modern television, like, that moves the needle. Right. No, 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 of course. But what I'm saying is, is I don't remember a year like this year where you had these weird names all of a sudden being labeled as reporters who were breaking certain news, and you were really not sure who to trust. Like, it used to just be, like, Woj, and then, like, Shams got involved, and you're like, okay, there's one or two guys who I'm listening to, and that's it. Whereas this year, it seemed to be a little bit more wide open, and everybody was a reporter. And you're just like, man, like, I have no idea who to really trust anymore. And then, of course, there was this other thing going on with Laker fans and Woj where they thought he was biased and they weren't trusting him. But that that made it more entertaining um, because there just seemed to be a lot of information swirling around and you just, not, not even just with Kwai, but with Durant and with other big names um, where you you were sort of lost in all the different reporting that was going on. So I think that made it a lot more interesting, but also um, kind of like a learning lesson for people, too, going forward that they're going to... Uh, you know, not listen to, you know, all the different noise um, going on. But, but yeah, it, I mean, in terms of, yeah. Yeah, but it, 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 even went a level below that because you had, like, these random dudes on Reddit who were, yeah. like, super detailed about stuff. Like, Chris Carter has a platform because he has a talk show on FS1. You know, Jalen Rose has a talk has a platform because he's on a show on ESPN. But these guys, so they're at least brand names in the media world, and they're plugged into the media world. Like you have these dudes on Reddit who are just like, you know, really detailed with stuff, and you freak out over nonsense. But let me ask you this before we get into the uh, the winners and losers of free agency, um, non Knicks Lakers edition. Do you think the NBA likes this? How much the attention gets in? Uh, of the off, I should say, how much attention the off season gets as opposed to the actual product on the court. Do you think this is ultimately yeah, I mean, a good thing? Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's good and bad. The good part is, of course, they want to remain the twenty four seven league. I mean, that's how that's how you keep sponsors involved. That's how you keep page clicks and, and, and video numbers up. That's how you keep fans interested. That's how you grow the game. Um, I mean, yes, like I can't imagine that how this would be. Um, how all the attention would be a negative thing. Um, you know, I, I can't think of really any, you know, any con, any, any con there. Well, pros, but, here's, the yeah. con, here's the con. Sure. If the actual games aren't spoken about as much as the offseason, then your core product isn't, you know, 
producing as much, and that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think during the season, I could see that for sure. And that, and that does happen at times during the season. Like, I think we got less interested. You're 100% right. We, we probably got less interested in the Warriors um, during the season because of all the rumors that were swirling around. It's like, well, the Reds going to leave anyways. And that team really doesn't care anyways because half the team's gone. So you're right. And then that, that, that makes fans, some fans disinterested. And they don't watch as much. I think you're. I think that's. I think you're right on the money there. But I think um, in the off season, it's it's fine. I mean, that's like this is the time to start talking about these things. Whereas you're right, it's not the time to start talking about who's going where in April um, during the NBA playoffs. Like that, you're right, takes away from the game. And no, you're. I mean, you're. You're. you're I think you're right on the money there because it, it might be. You might think it's more interesting to always talk about free agency, but I think for fans, like. If I'm a fan of the Warriors or I'm a fan of the Bucks, if Giannis in a year or two is like rumored to where he's going and the Bucks are so much struggling, I as a Bucks fan might be like, you know, I'm not going to watch this. My team's struggling. The best guy on our team is, is thinks he's, you know, everyone thinks he's leaving. I'm going to tune out. So I think, yeah, as, uh, you're right. Uh, in that regard, um, it, it could be a bad thing. Okay. But so, in terms of the, the oh, other sorry. side of this, to answer, yeah, yeah, sorry, to answer your question, the other side of this is: Does the NBA and I don't, you know, I don't know enough to talk about um, collective bargaining agreement, salary cap, and how it's been restructured and yada yada. Um, but I'm a, you know, it's a good test case to ask me that this because I don't know a lot about how the, you know, the, the, the money aspect of this works. Is like, do you want your players having as much control as they do now? And like guys in the NFL. I saw a funny meeting the other day, but it's true. It's like if you have to get traded in the NFL, they trade you to Buffalo, right? Like they don't. It's really an owner's league. The NBA has turned into a complete flipped on its head. Where if you want out, like how Paul George is able to ask out of a contract, and that gets flipped a couple days later to the exact team that he wants to go to, is that that to me is an issue. Um, where I think it's an issue is. It's great for the players, and I think it's maybe somewhat fine for the owners, but as fans, like, if, if, you, if your team can get turned on its head that easily, um, I worry about that because I, I can see fans sort of tuning out a little bit when their favorite guy is able to just, you know, pick up and, and walk away. And it's easy for me. To, it's, it's not easy for me to say as a Laker fan because a Laker fan can probably benefit from that because everybody seemingly wants to come to L.A., but, you know, what happens when it's the opposite, if the Lakers struggle for a few years, and then Anthony Davis wants out, and then he's shipped right away. And the Lakers get a new GM who wants to strip it down and rebuild, and then as a fan, you, you, you all of a sudden have to, like, be patient during this rebuild. That's not fun. And I could see that turning some, you know, fans away. And right now it's just some of the smaller markets, but I think the worry is what happens when it starts to happen to, you know, teams in the bigger markets where the big name guys want out. Well, it's you inter- have a, a fan base like. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but but what you were saying is, is interesting because actually I heard Howard Beck talk about this, and he basically said that there was, uh, you know, the top. It's funny the way the NBA works because you can make the argument can easily be made that the top twelve to fifteen guys are actually 
the way the cap works is that they're actually underpaid for what their value is, right? Like, for example, if like Chris Middleton and Giannis make can make almost the same amount of money because of this max cap max slot, right? But Giannis is worth seventy million dollars a year to the Bucks, and Chris Middleton is really. $15 million a year, and the fact that they're not paid accordingly is a little weird. So these guys, you know, the top 15 players are like, our, you know, primes are short. We're the most powerful people in the league because we sell the tickets because our, our names are, you know, our driving forces. So we should be emboldened. But that's only like 5% of the league as opposed to 95% of the league where that's not the case, where they can't choose where they want to go. So it's a little interesting in that respect, but there may come a point where, you know, and just to backtrack, in the 90s, they were the NBA teams were handing out these seven, eight-year contracts that were like massive, right? Kevin Garnett signed that massive extension off of his rookie deal for seven years. And the collective bargaining agreement was like, we can't have owners do that because they won't be able to police themselves and give contracts like that to Kenny Anderson who doesn't come through or Derek Coleman, right? But now, all of a sudden, it's like this five-year thing, this max deal, isn't working because guys are leaving anyway. So it, it, there may come a point where the, where the fan who generates the revenue because they're buying the tickets, they're subscribing to the streaming services um, like NBA TV or whatever, the, the cable networks, um, they're tuning in. You know, they may turn. So so who knows? But that's a way yeah. bigger conversation than, yeah. than I anticipate having. Yeah, yeah. The one quick thing I'll add to that too is like, what about like when you're, you know, your favorite guy, like I'm an older man, I'm a young boy who's like attached to some of these players, but a little bit like when, you, when your team – is flipping the roster every other year, and then you've got, like, a whole new fleet of guys who you need to, like, get, you know, like, when you're start, like, if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, like, how can you, like, your team gets gutted, like, let's say Westbrook leaves, it's, it's hard to, I don't say stay loyal to a team, but you don't feel as connected to a team, I think, when your favorite players are at any moment can leave. And then when they do leave, it's like, okay, now, okay, now I'm a LeBron fan all of a sudden, or now I'm an Anthony Davis fan all of a sudden, or, you know, like you invest not only in the team, but also the players that are on that team. And when they have a little bit more control and they could leave at any minute, um, then it's, it's just, you know, it's harder to stay as engaged to the team sometimes. Um, yeah, not it's just weird. about winning. I think it's winning with like your guys, guys that you've seen for a couple of years and you're used to rooting for. It's weird. It's weird, and it's something that, that will probably be addressed in the next collective bargaining agreement, and and who knows? Um, so the winners and losers of free agency so far. Um, we're not going to try and talk about the Lakers and Knicks and and the Clippers much in this segment because that's like a a web that I want to get your take on afterwards. So besides for those teams. Who are your clear winners and losers if you had to pick a couple of uh, free agency so far? Who do you like the moves yeah, that I mean, they did? Yeah, I mean, the obvious one, obviously, is the Nets. Um, but, I mean, for, you know, they've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to beat that. Um, I, I really like what the Pelicans did, oddly enough. Um, yes, I don't think that, agreed. I think, I think they're, they're a playoff team now, maybe. Um, but 
They're like, on the maybe, they're on the border, but I like what they did, and and they've ju- they've since the draft, since they got lucky with Zion uh, hitting the Zion lottery. I mean, David Griffin is absolutely cleaned up. He's, he's fantastic, and talk about making lemons into lemonade like that. You know, <laughs> like that turnaround. You look at their roster before Anthony Davis, and and now without Anthony Davis, it's just it's it's wild what they were able to pull off. So. Um, even sneakily, like getting JJ Redick, not just even talking about the Laker trade, but all the other small pickups that they made, um, like that to me is like the top of your NBA league pass power rankings. Is is the Pelicans in yep. terms of most, most fun teams to watch this year? So that's that to me is you know a big winner. Also, I think um, I think what Utah did um, propels them to probably you know now that they have. Uh, well, I mean, they had a trip, but with my call, like that's a, the Utah to me is is the best team in the Western Conference this year, um, outside of maybe them or the Clippers. But Utah, I think, is now in a position where they're going to be a very tough team to beat. I, I agree. They of, added a lot of depth. I mean, they needed to take the pressure off of Donovan Mitchell in terms of creating offense. Um, yeah, I yeah, th- I think that. Sorry, no, no, I them the Clippers and the Nuggets to me are like. You know the th- the three top teams in the West. Sure. In terms of losers, I'm going to go a little bit different here. I'm going to say the Rockets um, because I I feel like they really needed to pull off that like Jimmy Butler s type of deal to remain relevant to compete for a championship and staying for the most part stagnant was like the worst case scenario for them and who knows what happens with Westbrook or what else they can try to pull off via trade but in terms of free agency um, they seem to be a player that a team that always gets their player the last few years and they were quiet this year and I think that that um, like now that the Warriors have sort of taken a step back you would think the Rockets window would open and it hasn't Um, so to me that's the biggest loser where you go from like you need that one more player to get you into championship range, and I don't think they did it. Interesting. I didn't have them on on my list, uh, but who else? Who else you got? I'll get. I'll give some. I'll fill in the blanks. Well, I'll say one who isn't a loser. I don't think your Knicks are necessarily losers. Well, we'll get we'll I, get to that. They're well, a whole we'll different story. Sure, sure, but I don't. I don't think that's like you know. To me, is um, you know, I don't have them as. Uh, but that, is, but that issue goes beyond the actual X's and O's of what they did. This is more of an organizational high-level issue. But whatever. I ranted on that on the monologue, so we'll get to them in a second. Because the, the eerily similar nature between them and the Lakers is, is frightening. But, yeah, who, who, which is your yeah. other loser? I also – I mean, I'll go – sorry, I know I'm flip-flopping back and forth a little bit. But I also really liked what, what the Warriors did. I know it's only one guy in D'Angelo Russell, but I think for me, recreating Clay Thompson and like the aggregate with a guy like D'Angelo Russell is, I know that they, they might end up trading him after a year or maybe even before, but if he can somehow fit with that team, I wouldn't, I'm not counting the Warriors out from still being a championship team. Nope. Um, after, after that move. I, I, I agree. Um, regardless of what they do with Russell. I mean, if Klay Thompson gets back, you know, the Warriors can easily be a five seed, and that's a five seed that you don't want to see considering Draymond Green will be in a contract year. Like, they'll be super motivated. I'm not counting the Warriors out at all. Sure, sure. Yeah, so those are my 
those are my overall big winners and losers. So I had a couple. I put, like, I put the Lakers in the loser category too, but I know we'll get into we'll, that. We'll, we'll get into them in a second. But uh, for me, you know, a couple of other winners. I, I like what Miami did with Butler. Um, I know that he's an interesting cat, and considering where Miami was in terms of being totally capped out with really mediocre dudes and below mediocre dudes, to get a guy like that and to be able to somehow, you know, be able to attract stars like Pat Riley does what he does. And if they get Westbrook, like they put themselves in a position of being relevant. So I like what they did there because um, they're creative and they don't care about the luxury tax. Uh, Indiana getting Brogdon. I'm a huge Brogdon guy. Um, I like when Oladipo and Brogdon are running in the same backcourt. I really like what the uh, the Pacers did. Like you said, Utah. A couple of losers. I mean, OKC, obviously, with the um, – with uh, dealing Paul George in terms of just this era of when they drafted Harden, Westbrook, and Durant, and the fact that odds are they didn't win a single title with drafting those guys who are all MVPs. And and I know Oklahoma City got a huge haul and a great haul, but the fact that they couldn't get a title out of those guys and that window looks like it's going to be over is kind of a loss. Obviously, Toronto with Kawhi leaving, but... They were willing to take that risk, and they won a title. The Celtics, even though they got Kemba Walker, who's going to fit in really well for them, um, the fact that they had this treasure chest of assets and they turned it into what was supposed to be Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, and stuff, and it's just Kemba Walker, it's a little disappointing. And the Sixers. Who's closing games for the Sixers now in the playoffs? Like, who's going to be yeah. able to create their own shot? I, I just don't understand. And I love Al Horford, but I don't see Al Horford and Joel Embiid being able to play together that much, as good of a shooter as Al Horford is. Like, who? how are they going to score more than 80 points? Like, Butler was the guy in the playoffs. Yeah, Ben Simmons is going to have to get a jump shot. He's going to have to get a jump shot. And Tobias Harris, for that contract, like, I'm sorry. That's not a great offseason if you're the Sixers. I know all the yeah. NBA nerds love what the Sixers did, but I guess I'm going the other way. And and Milwaukee, because they lost Brogdon. Those are basically my um my winners and losers. Sure. I'm going to throw one quick other loser out there, one quick one. Portland. I know they got Whiteside, but – they're they're all like they never make a big move, and the reason why I think they should have, or at least tried, was you're on the cusp. Like people forget they were in the Western Conference yeah. this year, right? So like they just like I know Damian Lillard had that quote right a week a few days ago that you know he, he doesn't want to team up with superstars and he's okay, but like we're gonna look back on his career. We talked about him being like a top seven eight guy in the league based on how he played in the playoffs this year. No one ever looks at Portland and says, like, oh, they need to get Damian Lillard more help. It's almost like everyone's okay with them being above average. But if you're a Western Conference team and you're maybe that one player away, you got to do whatever you can to do it. And they didn't. Like, they lost a couple guys, and then they get Whiteside, who might be a good fit for them. But that's, it's just a typical Portland move, and you never hear them. And we always hear, like, what a great one organization they are. It's a great place to play, great fans. Damian Lillard's awesome, but they never pull a rabbit out of the hat. And that to me is like, okay, you'll get, you know, the West is getting better. Portland sort of say the same. I'll ca- I'll counter with this. I'll counter with this. They can still make that move given their roster and, and the cap situation 
Like, they don't need to make it now. Like, there are going to be guys available, say, like, a name that's been floated out there, like Kevin Love, like, somebody who can help them there. Like, they still have the ability to do that. But what I like about what Portland did is they didn't rush. And we'll get into the Lakers and Knicks in a second because they didn't wait. They rushed into things in yeah. certain respects. Yeah. But they're just, you know, some you don't need to have your roster ready for training camp by middle of July. Training sure. camp doesn't start until September. Like, sure. let things simmer out. Okay, so now that we we got that out of the way, your Lakers, obviously you made the big Anthony Davis trade that we talked about. They made good moves to get themselves a max level slot um, for Kawhi Leonard. They ultimately didn't get Kawhi Leonard. They brought back a couple of guys from last year. Where are you at with the Lakers right now? First of all, how much time do we have? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it's like this, right? Hindsight's always right, 2020. But always a but. It you make two. There's it's really it's decision making, right? So you've got a situation with the Lakers where they've got a depleted roster. Okay, they made the trade for Anthony Davis. Fine. Okay, expected nothing less than the Lakers to give up. You know the kitchen sink for Anthony Davis. Of course, that's what the Lakers do. Now, at that point, you've got a decision to make. You either wait for Kawhi, okay, and you say, I'm just going to sit here and wait for Kawhi, and you have a plan B of all your other pickups you're going to make, okay, and if Kawhi doesn't work out, so you've got a list of guys that you can go through and pick those guys up, or you say, you know what, we're not waiting for Kawhi, We've got a really thin roster. We like what we have with LeBron and AD. We don't really think Kawhi is going to come here to begin with. So what we're going to do is we're going to get who we can now. And maybe we strike a guy like D'Angelo or we strike on another guy like Jimmy Butler or we build around, we get another good shooter in Seth Curry. And you build that way. And you say, you know what? Let Kawhi go where, even if he stays in Toronto or if he goes to the Clippers, what we can compile together is better than wherever Kawhi is going to go. Now, of course, it's Kawhi Letter. It's a once-in-a-generational player, so you so you wait. And I think most teams will probably wait. Agreed. Although, Agreed. although the move in and of itself is very Laker-esque. And what, I'll, what, I'll, what I mean by that is the Lakers for the last six or seven off-seasons, ever since LeBron left Miami, people forget, Lakers actually tried to court LeBron that off-season. When LeBron left Miami, I think Carmelo was a free agent that year as well. And the Lakers try to court him. Or maybe it was the year after or the year where he decided to go back to the Knicks. And the and Mitch, Carmelo met with Mitch Kupchak. So my point is, is that the Lakers still have this thing. And this is what really, really continues to bother me about them and why I think ultimately they're in trouble. Because they continue to have this philosophy of we're always going to go for the big star. We're not going to develop guys. We're not going to draft to develop. We're not going to rebuild. We're not going to do any of those things. If we do draft a young guy, he's, we're going to use him down the line as trade bait or as an asset. And most teams probably do that, but they have, enough, they have both eyes on the ball. We're like, yeah, if a, if a superstar comes available, we'll try to make space for him and we'll try to do what we can to land him and utilize our assets. But then they also think, okay, we've got these young guys who we can build around and show other free agents that we're not just going to gut our team for you, but... We've got some other young pieces to build around here as well. We don't need to trade the kitchen sink in order to acquire you. And I think that's what the, the pattern that the Lakers have gotten into over and over again, where 
now, okay, great. You got LeBron and you got Anthony Davis, but because you had to give up everything for Anthony Davis, because you don't keep, because we, we, we didn't retain Julius Randle, because we let, we traded D'Angelo Russell, because we gave up everything for Anthony Davis, we don't have a complete enough team where even with, it's crazy to say this, but even with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the five best players in the league, I could still see the Lakers not having home court advantage in the first round easily with the weight, with the depth that the other teams in the West have. So you put all of your eggs in one basket for a guy like Kawhi Leonard, not only this year, but that's, that's the way you've built your teams year after year where you're not going to worry about building from the bottom up because really all you care about is getting a superstar. So you put all your eggs in one basket and that's, that's the way it lies. The Lakers don't get Kawhi Leonard fine. But I will argue that sure they got they got that guy um, helped me out from Golden State, Quinn Cook. They got they got Danny Green. They got um, you know uh, uh, Demarcus Cousins. So they've got they've got that shooter from Phoenix. Like yeah, they, I didn't think like it was awful. Plan B wasn't awful. What Polinka picked up, I just don't think it's enough to first of all, there's no cohesion there. Like how do you know everything is going to mesh? How do you know what Vogel's going to bring to the table and he's going to know what units to play correctly? Cause that's the trouble that Luke had. And how do you know LeBron? What if LeBron goes out for 10 or 15 games and he's hurt? We don't have another like Laker fans. Some of my Laker friend friends who I think are just way too high on Kyle Kuzma. When I, when I tell them this, they're like, Oh, well, we got, we have Kuzma now. Like when did Kyle Kuzma become like, Scotty Pippen all of a sudden. So I just He's like the antithesis of Scotty Pippen. He can't play right, defense. Like, right. Like I just I don't think that like you know, to me it's just such a big drop off after Anthony Davis and LeBron. And hey, that's the way you've been structuring your teams. So it's it's just like that's the bet the Lakers are gonna like have to lie in. And if if listen, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that's enough. I hope they can compete for a title. I just I mean, you get into the dog days of, like, December and January. I don't think there's enough there on the road. For, like, Toronto was deep. Golden State, all these years that they've won, they've been deep. The old Laker teams that I'm accustomed to winning championships were deep. This Laker team is not deep. And if the formula is two superstars, even LeBron's Miami teams were deep. You had Shane Battier. You had Haslam. You had, you know, other, you had other guys who came in and could, Mario Chalmers. Like, I can go down the list. Of guys who could shoot and guys who really fit, and the you had system. and you had three All NBA caliber guys, All NBA and three All NBA caliber guys. So to me, a 35 year old LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who's you know fantastic, I, I just don't think it's enough. And what happens if the Lakers are a first or second round team? Oy, because then LeBron's gone in a couple of years, and then it's Anthony Davis, and who knows what else we have left at the end of the day. So it's it's. Kind of the same old Lakers, the way it feels, like that that plan B where we strike out on plan A, and it's just, I don't know. I'm not seeing a a championship title team, at least on paper. I don't So here's what I'll interject here, and then we can, you know, talk about the early similarities between the Knicks and the Lakers um, in terms of how they're structured is I think, you know, waiting for Kawhi Leonard was a risk you have to take. I mean, to me, Kawhi Leonard has the belt of being the best – player in the league right now um it's a it's a risk you have to take even though I thought the fit was going to be a little weird but whatever you figure it out right where and and I say that as a Knicks fan who the Knicks did the exact opposite 
they had a meeting with Kawhi Leonard, and even if it was a long shot, given the fact that after they traded Porzingis and opened up the cap space and said we're going big game hunting, right? They didn't even take the meeting that was scheduled with the best player in the league. But whatever, this isn't about the Knicks. The Knicks are a whole other dumpster fire. But for the Lakers then to bring back JaVale McGee, Rondo, KCP, I mean, even Boogie Cousins is a weird fit, even if... Weird fit. It's just like, what are we doing? Like, why? I actually like the Quinn Cook pickup. I actually yeah. think, you know, he should start alongside LeBron, whatever, because for shooting. But I, the, the Lakers have two major flaws. One, they're not deep. And two, they have nobody who can guard opposing point guards. Like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are going to have field days against them. Right. And, and this is why. When you're building a team, you're always thinking in the future. And this is why if you would have kept, even just if they kept D'Angelo, and then maybe, or and or when they traded for Anthony Davis, kept the guy like Josh Hart. Like, you you, can't, you know what I mean? Like, then, okay, like, you've right. got Anthony Davis, and you've got D'Angelo, and you've got uh, uh, Kuzma, and then you've got LeBron. Okay, now, they're, like, that's, like, just, I mean, we, we tanked for all those years and got all these assets, and, yeah, sure, you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis, but, like, that goes away quick. You know, LeBron leaves in a year or two, or he's getting older and father time hits, and then it's just Anthony Davis. Like, <laughs> it could go south real fast, and I hope it doesn't, but that's why you – that's why all these years of bad management, to me, catches up to you. It's not just about not getting quiet. It's about not getting quiet and then having bad management for all these years. And now it's like, okay, we're stuck with, like, what you just said, Resigning of Javal McGee and Rondo and Len Stevenson and KCP. Well, they didn't sign Stevenson, but sorry, not Stevenson, but you know what I mean. Yeah, guys like that. Yeah, so you're just—it's just, you know, who knows? I mean, it's—it's—it'll be an interesting year. I hope I'm—I hope LeBron has one of those beastly years where he just carries the team on his shoulders, and Anthony Davis is just, you know, out of his mind, and the Lakers figure it out. but we'll see. I I don't know. I don't I don't see Kyle Kuzma like hitting big shots in a playoff game. But but maybe I'm wrong. The um the I guess the uh, you know the glass half full is you still have two of the twelve best players in the league. Yeah. And you figure it out. But I, I'm with you. I don't see the Lakers being more than a five or a six seed because the holes are there. They can't guard guards. And you know. The Lakers right now are completely at the mercy of Clutch Sports and LeBron. Yeah. And that's not necessarily where you want to be. I mean, if this was LeBron at 28 years old, sure. Right. But but this is LeBron at 35, and I'm not sure how guys around the league really like Rich Paul. And it's – and yeah, he's powerful because LeBron is there. But that wears off a little bit. Sure, sure. But yeah, it, it's the the Lakers are similar to the Knicks in the fact that you know they traded D'Angelo for cents on the dollar. The Knicks trade, and that was for a bunch of different reasons, for weird chemistry reasons, which we both said it was a mistake back then. Um, I mean, the Knicks traded KP for a pipe dream. And th- both organizations just are loud about their business. You know, 
they don't keep anything close to the vest. They're loud about their business. They have, you know, guys with big personalities who just are, you know, nothing can ever be stealth when it comes to Magic Johnson or Rob Polinka or James Dolan, right? Nothing can ever be stealth. Like, if you look at the Nets and the and the Clippers, they were stealth in terms of what they did. Everything was close to the vest. Yep. The Lakers and the Knicks are not that. And the difference between the two teams is you have the guys, you know, LeBron and Davis, so you're going to be relevant. And the Knicks, after striking out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, went to shoot their wad for Julius Randle, who I think is an empty calorie stats guy. But whatever, he's 24 years old. But even if you wanted to do that, they canceled the Kawhi Leonard meeting, as I mentioned, which is looks bad for, you know, the opposing agents. And they rushed to fill their cap with all these C-plus guys who are going to take the same two-year deals. And they didn't have any flexibility in terms of somebody wanted to unload a trade for, like, a bad contract to take on an asset. Like, they didn't have the flexibility to do that. It's just like it's the same cycle over and over again where the Knicks are going to pitch us on 2021 free agency and Giannis. And it's just the same shit over and over again. And... Like, this is where we are. But on the flip side, we also have seen that with all the movement of the all-NBA caliber talent, four guys went to New York and Los Angeles. So there's that for us. But it's yeah, just but it's just it's, so frustrating. I, I think I think you're right. I think to, to put a cap on that, it's you're right. And I think it's guys are – players are they want good management like it it it's and it's i think it became clear like durant went to a, a well-managed team in brooklyn who seems to have their act together and and Kawhi was leaning towards the clippers from day one because they've got their act together and i don't know how much played into Kawhi not wanting to play with lebron versus not wanting to play on a team managed like the lakers but it plays into it it's a factor and we're now seeing it we're seeing guys who are turning the Knicks and Lakers down because they're not run well. And I think it um, it's it's pretty shocking that, like, if that's what it comes down to, um, you know, those teams need a lot of self-reflection. But I know, you know, Lakers are – they're just too stubborn. And you're right. How, how things get out, especially with the Lakers this year. Um, leaks everywhere. Fact, it leaks everywhere. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Like, how they didn't learn their lesson and then magic is – right? Like, uh, again, that the stuff like Chris Carter came out and said, right? That that reported that Kawhi was, you know, didn't didn't love the fact that like the Lakers are the only team to leak something. Like, geez, man, like that's just it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. What I'll give the Knicks the slightest little bit of credit here is, in fairness, Scott Perry has done the prudent thing in terms of like not tying up their cap with somebody like Chris Paul or trading for like a has-been, right? And I I do believe, and I think you do too, that if Durant doesn't tear his Achilles, all of this is different. I, I do believe that to be the case. You think you would have went to the Knicks? I, I do. Uh, I do, I think, but... No, because I feel like the Brooklyn thing was happening for a while. Like, this was planned and talked about, and I don't think he switched gears all of a sudden. Well... There have, been re- there have been reports both ways, so who really knows? So sure. I definitely think the injury thing hurt, 
because then they weren't willing to put up with a guy, say, like Kyrie for a year by himself. But, like, at the same time, like, you got to keep things close to the vest and, and just be smart. And for the Knicks, it, it rots from the head down and it's dull. And then for you guys, it seems it's more, I don't know if it's genie, but, it, it you know, Rob Polinka and Magic are just like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Rob, I've kept you for about, you know, a while now, and we can go on forever, but I don't want to get thrown out of the studio. But this was always a pleasure. We've kind of had like a trilogy of podcasts considering uh, we're deep into NBA season and the and um, NBA season never sleeps. But it's always a pleasure having you on. And we're going to we'll talk again soon. Um, and we'll um, but, you know. We'll 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 chat off off podcast air a little bit more in the next couple coming weeks. Sounds good, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, always a pleasure. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks again to NBA head, Laker fan extraordinaire Rob Carpellis, uh, completing our kind of trilogy of sorts. That is episode fifty of the For the Love of the Game podcast to take us out big. Uh, damn right, I like the life I live Cause I went for negative to positive And it's all And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know uh, uh. And if you don't know, now you know, you know, you know listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube